0: Do you have high blood pressure and wanna learn more about natural ways to address it? Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to episode 12 of Ask Dr. Emily, a weekly podcast where we explore the what, the why, and the how of health issues from a holistic perspective. We'll talk about the signs and symptoms to look out for and the root causes of various health conditions and the most effective and doable solutions for addressing them. Each episode will empower you with knowledge and inspire you towards achieving outstanding health naturally. Now, when it comes to remedies for hypertension, you happily have lots of great natural options that don't have any of the side effects of prescription high blood pressure medications, which, by the way, often don't work very well for a lot of people. The prescription medications (laughs) don't work so well. Uh, The natural stuff works great. And the natural options include herbs, supplements, diet, and lifestyle. Today, we're going to talk about four of my favorite supplements for hypertension with a brief touch on food with links to more info on that in the show notes. And you can check out my article on the top five natural stress relievers that I've found to be very effective for helping to reduce high blood pressure. And that's at DrEmilyFranklin.com. Now, if your blood pressure is mildly to moderately high, then just one or two of these natural interventions is often enough to bring it down to a healthy level and healthy being 120 over 80 or below. But the more severe your high blood pressure or the longer it's been high, the more you should consider employing all of these natural options all at once, herbs, supplements, diet, and lifestyle, since high blood pressure can be life-threatening and it's associated with an increased risk of heart disease and stroke. So how do we define hypertension? Well, there's these two numbers, right? The top number, that's called systolic, and the bottom number is called diastolic. And for optimal blood pressure, what you want is the systolic, the upper number, to be below 120, and the diastolic, the lower number, to be below 80. That's optimal. If it's slightly elevated, that's called pre-hypertension, and then your systolic is 120 to 129, and your diastolic is still below 80. In stage one hypertension, that upper number is between 130 and 139, and the bottom number now starts to tick up a little, and it's between 80 and 89, and it could be either or. So you're, you have stage one if you have a higher systolic or a higher diastolic, or both, and then stage two, 140 to 179 systolic, or and or a diastolic of 90 to 119. Then we have the upper level, which is over 180 systolic and over 120 diastolic, and it can be either or um, either or both of those are, are at that level. And when that happens, that's called a hypertensive crisis. And if you have that happen and you're not at the doctor's office, you should call your doctor immediately or seriously dial 911 because it is quite dangerous. So let's talk about the supplements. Whether you are pre-hypertensive or at stage one or two, the following supplements can often help get and keep your blood pressure in that optimal range. For a hypertensive crisis though, These supplements are not typically strong enough or fast enough. So come back to these once your blood pressure is out of that danger zone. My number one supplement for hypertension is vitamin D. And the very first thing that I recommend for people with hypertension is to have a vitamin D test. Since multiple studies, as well as my decades of clinical experience, Have consistently shown that having a robust vitamin D level can safely and naturally and effectively lower blood pressure, short and long term, for many people, in addition to conferring the many other benefits of an optimal vitamin D level. The mechanisms at work here are still not fully understood, but there are several possibilities for why filling up your vitamin D tank helps to lower high blood pressure. The first is that vitamin D receptors are present in several types of cells in the cardiovascular system. And so that possibly points to a vitamin D having a regulatory effect on this system. Number two, vitamin D has been shown to reduce the number of proteins called cytokines, which are thought to contribute to the development of hypertension. And three, Vitamin D reduces the expression of renin, which is an enzyme that increases blood pressure. Well, how much vitamin D is the right amount? A lot of well meaning docs will tell you that a level of 30 to 50 of vitamin D on a blood test is adequate, average, or fine. Well, I am here to tell you that that just ain't good enough. What I want for you is plentiful optimal and fabulous, particularly when you have high blood pressure. It just makes sense to optimize your vitamin D level. And what is optimal? I typically want to see vitamin D above 70 with 80 to 100 being that plentiful, optimal, and fabulous level that we're looking for. Getting your vitamin D level up to that high end has no downside, and it is way better for you than being deficient in vitamin D, which is associated with all sorts of health issues, including cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and depression, to name a few. So if your vitamin D test comes back at less than 70, then supplementation is in order. And what I typically recommend to my patients is that vitamin D be taken first thing in the morning, since that's when our bodies are most primed to absorb it. Think about morning sunshine, get up, you go out into the day, there's sunshine, you absorb it. And actually morning sunshine exposure does seem to aid in the absorption of vitamin D supplements also. So something to keep in mind there. And, And then I recommend that you do a retest in two to three months. If your level is quite low, meaning below 30, it can take several months to bring your vitamin D up to an optimal level. So just hang in there. Or talk to your doc about doing a two to four week round of high dose vitamin D. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Um, once your level is optimized, a daily or weekly maintenance dose is recommended to remain in that optimal zone with once or twice yearly testing to monitor your levels. So typically I like to do this in the spring when vitamin D is usually at its lowest level after winter. And then again in the autumn, when vitamin D is naturally at its highest level after the summer. What about vitamin D toxicity? Well, toxicity level doesn't even begin with vitamin D until over 150 And that is incredibly difficult to reach for most people with at-home vitamin D supplementation, unless you're taking 50,000 units a day for several months straight, which I don't recommend. In my clinical experience, I have never seen toxicity to be an issue, even at doses of 50,000 units a day for up to one to two months at a time. And I use that protocol for patients who are chronically low in vitamin D or who are critically low, meaning that below 30 level. Of course, I have to say, check with your doctor about this, especially if you are taking supplemental calcium, which by the way, I strongly recommend against doing. And if, or if you have one of a few very rare diseases. So check the show notes for links with more information on those items. Something I want to mention in the high-dose vitamin C, vitamin D zone is something called Stoss Therapy. Now, this is a medical treatment that is used in patients with chronically or extremely low vitamin D levels and conditions related to extremely low vitamin D levels. And it involves getting a daily dose of 100,000 to 600,000 units of vitamin D for one or more days in a row. Stoss therapy is also used to boost immunity, and it has shown great promise as a treatment for opportunistic infections. And I have to say, the prevalence, the long history of success, and the lack of adverse effects of this high dose vitamin D Stoss therapy all demonstrate that vitamin vitamin D toxicity issues really are non-existent. So that's vitamin D. That's number one. Number two, is potassium. While the RDA of potassium is 4,700 milligrams a day, according to the 2015 National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, the average daily potassium intake for the past two decades has hovered around 2,500 milligrams per day for Americans. Note that RDAs are recommended minimums to avoid serious illness. And the optimal amount for potassium is estimated to be closer to 10,000 milligrams per day. Fewer than 2% of people nowadays even meet that recommended minimum of 4,700 milligrams, let alone that optimal amount of 10,000 milligrams, with women typically consuming less potassium than men on average. So now wait a minute. How does potassium relate to high blood pressure, Dr. Emily? (laughs) adequate intake of potassium is associated with a decreased risk of dying from all causes, including high blood pressure and also stroke and heart disease. And it correlates to lower rates of dementia, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoporosis, cataracts, kidney stones, ulcers, and stomach cancer in large part because it helps balance sodium. On the flip side, Potassium deficiency causes electrolyte imbalances, which can lead to hypertension, as well as heart irregularities, arrhythmias, anxiety, insomnia, muscle weakness and cramps, excess thirst, and constipation. So, getting enough potassium can improve health, quality of life, and health span, and reduce the occurrence of many diseases, including high blood pressure. So let's talk about supplementing with potassium. For people with elevated or stage one or two hypertension, I favor organic beetroot powder because it is easy to use and usually very effective for lowering blood pressure, often within minutes. I'm not kidding. It's kind of amazing. And has added benefits. It is energy boosting and it improves the digestion and it aids the body's natural detoxification processes, which if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, you know, this is one of the things that I talk about a lot. We can always use more help detoxifying, especially because that our exposure to environmental toxins now is rampant and on the rise. Unfortunately, so anyway, the typical dosage of beetroot powder is one teaspoon, four grams taken one to three times per day. You start with one dose a day and you gradually work your way up if needed, checking your blood pressure regularly. And of course, check with your doctor make sure this isn't contraindicated with anything else that you're doing or taking. And what you do is you take that beetroot powder and you dissolve it into a few ounces of water. And how much water you use really depends on taste for you. If you like it strong, use less water. If you want it more diluted, you add more water, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that you take it with food because you need to buffer the carbs in it and the insulin response. So either take it in the middle of a meal or just immediately right afterwards. And don't take it too late in the day because it is energizing and it can disrupt your sleep. And note that if you are in the early weeks of shifting to low carb or keto, don't start the beetroot powder. Uh, Do that. Wait till later to do that because it can derail those early efforts due to its mildly sweet flavor and its carb content. It does contain about three to four grams of carbs per teaspoon. Now, the dose that people need depends on several variables, including severity and duration of symptoms and on how potassium rich your diet already is. So most people find that they really need to experiment with the amount they're taking to find the sweet spot that lowers their blood pressure just the right amount and give it a few months of daily use before you decide whether it's really working. Now, speaking of potassium rich diet, let's talk a little bit about potassium rich foods. Many whole foods are rich in potassium. So, working on increasing potassium intake through diet is also a great option, either concurrently or instead of beetroot powder. The best low carb and keto dietary sources of potassium are beet greens and spinach, artichokes, seafood of all kinds, avocados, bamboo shoots bok choy, tomatoes, and dark chocolate. And for my list of potassium rich foods and their potassium content by serving, uh, go to dremilyfranklin.com and uh, you'll find that there. You can find the link directly to it uh, in the show notes. And also in the show notes, you'll find a link to my guide, what to eat for optimal health. Following these guidelines also typically improves blood pressure dramatically. So, number one, vitamin D. Number two, potassium. Number three, magnesium. Magnesium is third on our list of supplements for high blood pressure because, in a meta study of 34 trials involving over 2,000 people, magnesium supplementation was found to significantly and consistently reduce blood pressure. And I've seen this in my clinic as well. Intake of magnesium and blood, AKA serum, magnesium levels are independent of other risk factors inversely associated with death from all causes. So the more magnesium you take and the more you have in your blood up to a point, um, the, the lower your risk of dying from all causes, especially heart disease. Um, And because magnesium deficiency is so common and the benefits of taking adequate levels are so many, including better sleep, less anxiety, more regular bowel movements, and so much more. Magnesium supplementation is often a big help for many in the quest for optimal health, including lowering hypertension. To up your dietary intake of magnesium, check out my magnesium-rich foods list for the best sources. And again, the link is in the show notes. So that's number three. Number four is vitamin C a meta-analysis of 29 different randomized controlled trials showed a significant decrease in blood pressure in almost all participants. And women with the highest level of vitamin C intake had the biggest drop in both systolic and diastolic pressure. That's those top and bottom numbers. Vitamin C lowers blood pressure through a few different mechanisms. One, as a natural diuretic, it helps to reduce fluid volume throughout the body, which naturally lowers blood pressure. And two, as a powerful antioxidant, vitamin C influences the innermost layer, the endothelium of the arterial blood vessels, stimulating them to expand and contract in response to blood flow. And this expansion and contraction directly affects blood pressure. And three, Because high blood pressure can be caused or aggravated by exposure to toxins and vitamin C helps your body to effectively detoxify, increasing vitamin C intake can help to reduce toxin load and thus hypertension. Ta-da! The form of vitamin C supplement that I like the best is NutraVane's liposomal vitamin C. It is potent, 825 milligrams per gel cap, has no flavors, additives, or other junk, unlike a lot of liposomal vitamin C supplements. And it is in a very absorbable form without causing the digestive upset that a lot of people experience from other forms of supplemental vitamin C. Like with many supplements, uh, vitamin C is is, uh, most effective in bursts. So, and it's best tolerated that way as well. So you ramp up quickly to bowel tolerance And then you continue at that high dose for a few days to a few weeks, and then you take a break. Do be cautious with vitamin C supplementation if you have a history of high oxalates, kidney stones, or gout. The best low-carb keto dietary sources of vitamin C are dark leafy greens, especially kale and spinach, and fresh-squeezed lemon and lime juice. And next up. If you want more guidance on natural ways to lower your blood pressure, check out my article, Top 5 Stress Relievers for Hypertension. And if you're feeling inspired to do more to deal with your high blood pressure naturally, then Dr. Emily's 10-Day Detox is an excellent next step. You'll learn what detoxing really is, how your body does it naturally, the common and surprising foods that actually block detoxing and how you can enhance your body's natural detoxification processes to slow aging, greatly improve your health and vitality, and prevent and reverse disease using specific foods, beverages, and activities check it out at dremilyfranklin.com slash shop. And the link is in the show notes. So I hope you've enjoyed this and it's useful for you and have a great week. I'll talk to you next time.